Welcome back to the Strong Mamas Podcast, a mind, body, nutrition, and fitness podcast for women living with Hashimoto's and PCOS. I am your host, Natalie Guevara, certified nutrition and fitness professional with a specialty in female metabolism, hormones, and functional nutrition. I have dedicated not only my career, but my life to understanding the unique needs of women dealing with thyroid dysfunction and PCOS after my own journey and struggle. I'm an advocate for health, fitness, nutrition, lifestyle, and mindset to help you find freedom and confidence in your body and in your life. This podcast is the place for knowledge, conversation, community, and inspiration. Let's dive right in together. To another episode of the Strong Mamas podcast. I hope you are doing fantastic. It is officially fall here. Um, of course, by the calendar, it's been fall for over a week now, but as some of you may know, my husband and I moved to the coast a little over a month ago, about six weeks ago, so it's been a little toasty here. However, we have had some incredible mornings where it's been in the 50s and walks on the beach in the 70s and it's just been it's just been the absolute best thing ever. It has put me in such a creative flow. I just feel even though I am incredibly sleep deprived, um just so much more energetic and and fresh and so um, I'm just really really grateful for this this temperature shift. Uh we're definitely ready to see some some fall leaves, but it's been really interesting having moved to the coast at the end of August and it transitioning into fall in Asheville, North Carolina. It's a very clear, typically we have a second summer, but very clear just you transition into fall and it's a mountain town and it's just very fallish. However, in a coastal town, it still maintains like the summer vibe. And for myself, never living in a coastal town before, I associate coastal towns, the beach, the coast, just with summer. And so it's just been a very interesting transition to say, okay, we live here now. It's still the beach, but it's also still fall. So anyway, it's, it's just interesting. Um, I, I continue to find kind of coaching lessons, not kind of, really coaching lessons in just everyday life when I just pause to consider, like it's my perception that the beach equals summer, or it's always summer at the beach, right? Um, however, in North Carolina, although it's not probably not going to get as cold as it is in the mountain communities, it still is going to get a little bit nippy. It actually snowed here last winter, so there's still that possibility. So it's just interesting these these connections that that our brain make that always brains make that always find uh, that I always find so fascinating. Uh, another interesting thing that I actually shared on Instagram uh, earlier last week was uh, this revelation about parenting and the cor direct correlation to how people are treating their nutrition journeys. Um, I found myself I had books everywhere, so just a little dip into what, what's going on with the little guy nowadays. As many of you did reach out on Instagram as I was trying to do bonus episodes and we're like, we just like to hear about it in the day-to-day -day episodes. So here we go. Um, if you don't wanna hear about baby stuff, you can just fast forward <laughs> until we get into today's topic. Anyway, uh, look, at, he's, he's not sleeping on his own during the day. He'll take naps, but I'm baby wearing a whole lot and he won't lay down in his bed and so 
you know, for getting laundry done or getting a lot of work done or getting a workout in during the day, it's really, really challenging because basically, even though I can have my hands somewhat free, um, I have this, this little human on, on the front of me basically all day long from the time that he gets up about 7 a.m. in the morning and until he goes to bed about 7.30 at night. And to be honest, at the end of the day at 7.30, after you know trying to navigate work and taking care of him all day and wearing him all day, I'm absolutely exhausted. And so for the most part, I'm getting myself something to eat and pretty much transitioning straight to bed at that point. So it's it's been a challenge. And I would love to say that I'm getting up at five o'clock in the morning to get a workout in or to get caught up on things. But the reality is, is that he's still getting up overnight, although he does decently well overnight, he's still getting up at night to nurse. And so I take every little bit of opportunity to sleep that I can get. And so I've been spending a lot of time in mom communities on Facebook, on Dr. Google, um, and I have like a stack of books on my kitchen counter because I do a lot of standing and reading and things like that because also uh, when I'm baby wearing, although I could sit down, he's not really interested in me doing that. Uh, so that's been that's been an interesting kind of challenge as well. But I will, you know, just read a little bit while I'm drinking coffee and then I have books on my nightstand and they're all centered, they're all different philosophies and different approaches to caring for a baby and creating healthy sleep habits and you know, working with schedules and, and things like that. And there's there's all these different perspectives and philosophies, right? Like I'll I'll be diving into one where there, you know, evidence supports the fact that their circadian rhythm doesn't uh, turn on until about four months. So it's kind of pointless to try to form any schedule or anything like that. And then another perspective is we need to be forming a schedule as early as two weeks and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so a lot of it makes me feel like, I messed up or I failed because I was reading this one book and it made a lot of sense about sleep crutches and how I've probably created quite a few of those. However, another um, methodology is is like uh, up until four months, you can't do that because they eat and sleep on demand and they basically just need their moms and all these, all these different completely polarizing perspectives, right? And that's exactly what goes on in the nutrition and fitness industry. Everything has to be incredibly polarizing to get buy-in and belief into this one methodology. And it leaves you feeling like you're incorrect or you failed if you're not following this to a T or you're not following this to a T. And then part of it, I know part of it in the fitness industry and the nutrition industry is, is very polarizing for, you know, marketing as, as well, right? And there's a whole lot of bias. But the truth is, is that that's exactly what's going on as far as, you know, parenting and, and navigating this, this challenging season with sleep <laughs> that we're currently going through. And I'm sure once we get past this, oh, please pray that we will, um, it will just be the next thing, right? And so what I found really interesting, I, this, I had this revelation in, in one of my middle of the night nursing sessions, you know, I, I believe it was Wednesday because typically, you know, it's, it's 
comical how much it compares to how a lot of people struggle with nutrition. Um, you know, it's usually Wednesday and Thursday that we just get absolutely exhausted. You know, I start the week like really working on these routines and trying to do all these things right. And by the time we get like midday through Wednesday, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm just going to do whatever he wants to do. And that's just going to be it. Um, but anyway, I was, I was realizing in one of the, those sessions that, you know, exactly what's happening to me is happening to so many people. I'll read a book, I'll read another book, I'll read an article, another article. There's all this bias, there's evidence to support this, there's evidence to support this. And basically it's leaving me frustrated and overwhelmed, feeling like a failure. And so what's happening is, is that I, that I just give up, that I just give up. And so last week specifically, and by the way, we still maintain the evening routine. So, so don't worry. We're still, I'm still doing, still doing some of the things, but I started with a, with a program that had an app and they had a very specific schedule on there. And it was, it was by, by age category. So it wasn't, you know, you wait until four months to do any sleep training. Um, you know, we, we start, we start with the consistency now. And then just like everything else, consistency is everything, which I, totally understand. Um, and, you know, starting with the, this evening routine and booking in it with this morning routine and this very specific schedule throughout the day. And so we started off strong Sunday, started off strong Sunday. I was, I was very meticulous with the schedule, went into Monday. It was a different kind of challenge because Monday is a very busy day with client check-ins and you know, it's Monday. I had to work. Um, and you know, into Tuesday and by Wednesday, I was just, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely exhausted. I cannot keep up the schedule. And what wound up happening is, um, rather than, you know, finding middle ground, I was like, I'm a failure. This book basically says that you have to keep up with it. You have to be consistent. You have to do all the things or you're just not doing it right. And so, um, and so I did, I gave up on the schedule and it was a day of just like, I, I just need a break from it. I just need a break from it. And so whatever he says goes today with the exception of the nighttime schedule. Um, and so, and so it was just really interesting how I was just able to like immediately like click how so many of you spend so much time and so much energy because I did researching and reading and indoctrinating yourself in this methodology and believing in it and getting into it. And then you wind up doing nothing because it winds up being too much. And so I'm unsure because I'm not a parenting expert. <laughs> so this is my, my third baby, but quite honestly, this, this baby, this baby's kicking me in the rump. Um, but I, I'm not a parenting expert, but, but, I, but I have to believe that much like everything else, that there is this continuum between all or nothing. Like I can navigate parenting and hopefully, um, help my child become a good napper and have healthy sleep habits by coming in the middle rather than it needing to be all or nothing. And so I'll keep you guys posted on that. I'm not sure if it still works in the, this, this thing, but I know for a fact that it does work as far as nutrition. And so for today's topic, baby talk over, uh, for today's topic, I really wanted to dive into daily actions that you can do every single day to stop damaging your metabolism. So on this podcast, we talk a lot about um, metabolic adaptations and implications of different habits, behaviors, activities, and really thought patterns and beliefs when what they have on your metabolism and how you know we we strive for positive adaptation if you have a fat loss goal or a health goal and a lot of times we're we're battling against negative adaptation. So you're either beginning a a fitness and uh, nutrition journey. Mm -hmm 
dealing with some negative adaptation or we're going into it with with the goal of, of preventing that. And so when I work with women one-on-one in my nutrition and lifestyle coaching program, a lot of women come to me as chronic dieters. They, they've been dieting for long periods of time and they feel like they've hit a plateau and they don't know if the program that they've been trying has been wrong or if they've been tracking macros incorrectly or if it's their hypothyroidism, all these different things that are confusing as to why your metabolism stops responding. And more often than not, you know, your metabolism cannot break. It just doesn't work that way. Um, but more often than not, it just is that we've had, we've had an excessive amount of negative adaptation with minimal amounts of positive adaptation. And so that's why the, the first phase of my program is a non-negotiable for anyone where we move into the restoration, whether your metabolism needs quote restoring or not, it's crucial that we start to understand how our metabolism is communicating with us so that when we are moving through a transformation, we can be really, really clear on, you know, how we want to direct our path or how, how we can best direct our path and facilitate our metabolism moving in a positive direction and building that resilience and creating that flexibility that we desire to, to create sustainability and, and to really be able to enjoy our, our bodies. So on this podcast, and, and I, I get you're going to say, well, okay, by telling me what not to do, you're kind of telling me what to do as well. Um, we spend a lot of time chatting about strategies and, and mindsets and beliefs and things things that you can do to help help to help facilitate this positive adaptation in your journey. But I thought it would be helpful if we kind of flipped it around today and we talked about things that you can stop doing, right? Um, you know, it, it's an interesting conversation that I have with a lot of my clients around when we are trying to change something, we really hyper focus on the things that we need to be doing. And it's a, it's a, it's a rushed energy. It's a do, do, do more, more, more rather than amplifying either things that you're already doing or removing things that you're doing. Um, so it's a really interesting concept. And so this concept of I'm too busy or I don't have time for my health or my nutrition or my weight loss goal really gets thrown out of the water when we, when we actually look at it that way. However, just the way we are conditioned by, you know, by this program so you can do, 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 and, you know, it's something interesting that we even have to play from, from a marketing perspective, right? Because when you buy something, when you, when you spend money, there's an exchange. And so we are conditioned to believe that this exchange means that I'm going to get something. And so from a nutritional perspective, if I'm going to get something, what are you getting? You're getting some sort of deliverable, you're getting a product or whatever. And so when we can actually start to shift that mentality and start to, to, to shred apart that conditioning or pull that, pull that back, we can actually see it just the way I want you to see your journey as an energetic exchange. And so, you know, that's the beautiful thing about coaching when it's, you know, not, not multi-level marketing, but when you invest in a coach, you're investing in an energetic exchange. So your coach is going to pour energy and of course, 
you know, there typically are quote deliverables as well. Your coach is going to provide an energetic service to guide and support and hold you through your transformation while you are energetically, you know, sometimes the energetic transfer is, is financial, but you're also energetically, you know, working towards that goal by putting energy into different, different avenues uh, of the transformation process. So it's a really just kind of, you know, again, we can tie everything back to mindset, right? Um, literally I was like exactly what I was sharing about, you know, fall at the beach, like these, these perceptions and the, these mental patterns that we've, we've held on to for years. It's really interesting when we're actually able to, to pull those back. And for most of us, that's the difference between staying where you are right now and getting to where you want to be. So all that to say today, I want to focus on a little bit of a less, um, you know, slowing down, it's fall, let's, let's slow down and think about doing a little bit less in order to achieve a little bit more. So the number one thing that you can stop doing in order to, in order to have a more flexible and resp responsible metabolism is stop trying to limit your calories. Now, let me explain here. Because for some of you, you're already checking out. She just told me to stop limiting my calories, yet I've been told so often that I need to be in a caloric deficit in order to lose weight. And you're absolutely right. However, restricting your calories consistently, most for most people, I've had this lived experience as well as a lot of the hundreds of women that I've coached, is that we spend a significant amount of time over the entire 12 month calendar year trying to restrict calories and essentially dieting. This isn't a conversation to not diet. In fact, there's a difference between dieting and a diet. Most people know that I don't sell people into a diet because I don't believe in it. However, dieting can be a part of a healthy nutritional cycle if you are trying to shed body fat. But if we're trying to manage negative adaptation and have a healthy, responsive metabolism, we can't constantly be fighting and going back into dieting cycles. And so for most of us, I, I say us because I've definitely been guilty of this as well, we do a nutritional cycle, but not in a strategic and well thought out way. An example of this is, is that we will have an increase on the scale. We will have a special event. It will be summer season, whatever, whatever kind of special event will target in your brain. Oh my gosh, I need to change how my body looks. And then we will pull back calories, essentially putting us into a dieting cycle, a caloric deficit. Most of the time we do that to the extreme. And then when that's unsustainable, when we're hungry, when we're craving, or we go on the vacation that we were trying to prepare for or the special event, then we throw ourselves back into a surplus. And so this is a constant yo-yo cycle, which for some people happens on a week to week basis, AKA Monday through Friday, and then the weekend. Where we can actually support our metabolism into creating the resilience, to creating the flexibility, is to spend more time not dieting. Not dieting. And for a lot of you, where in your brain, it's sending off alarm signals that's going to say, this is gonna take me so much longer to get to my result because I have to be in a caloric deficit to get there. Actually, what you need is to spend less time dieting, a shorter period of time dieting, and that's actually gonna get you to your goal quicker. 
I want to offer you a quick reframe if you felt triggered in that. Totally common. Again, there's a lot of conditioning from the industry around what it takes in order to look and feel the way you want to look and feel. If that was triggering for you, I just want you to, to be willing to step into a, a place of vulnerability and honesty with yourself and say, this is how long I've actually been trying to achieve this result and I'm not there yet. And the sad thing is for so many women that I've worked with, it's been a decade or more that they've been seeking this result. That's 10 plus years of constantly living in this cycle of I need to diet, 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 not being able to sustain it or maintain it, going into a surplus and losing and gaining the 5, 10, 15, 20 pounds over and over and over again, sometimes gaining back more. For some of the women that I've worked with, unfortunately, at the end of a decade of trying to fight that, they are heavier and more unhappier and more sluggish and unhealthy than they were when they actually started. And that's the truth. And for a lot of them, they've had to do a lot of mindset work, no doubt, but they've been able to actually recognize that, hit the bottom and say, you know, enough is enough and lean into and trust the fact that they actually need to spend some time eating food. Now, there's a difference between the type of food that we typically eat when we're yo-yoing, right? When we wind up in this binge cycle and how we can actually say, I'm eating more food, but I'm paying attention to the quality of the food. So there's a quantity and a quality, both matter. But then again, I would say 90% of the women I work with, when we wind up coming into reverse diet cycles and maintenance phases, we don't struggle with the typical <laughs> binge foods, right? Because when our body is well-fed and nourished and it feels incredible, it starts to crave that feeling. And it associates that feeling with the quality of food that we're consuming. And that's when, you know, macros become easy. Hitting your protein becomes easy. All of these things become easy because there's that positive association. For a lot of you, you don't know what it feels like to feel good. You think that it's on the other end of being able to stick to a really restrictive diet. You think it's on the other side of actually being able to lose the five to 10 pounds. And you may be correct in the fact that feeling good may be for you on the other side of losing some weight. But I can promise you feeling good is not on the other side of constantly shaming, guilting, punishing your body to get there. It is totally possible for you to get results and get even better results and get them faster by actually eating more food, spending less time in that dieting cycle more time nourishing your body, and then spending the appropriate time in a gentle dieting cycle. That's my absolute favorite. I, I, I shared on my social media, but I had an incredible client last week, totally unsolicited. Like I, I probably, I'm too sleep deprived and too hormonal for this stuff, but 
I spent way too much time just like tearing, <laughs> tearing up over this incredible post that she posted on her personal Facebook page um, just last week. She's she's a client, and in all honesty, you know, I won't drop names on here, but she started with me when my program was in in the 90 day. Now now the program itself is 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 a six month program, um, but she's actually one of the clients that really pushed me into making that that change because for her she really just got the peak to where uh, to the peak of where she was creating the transformation right at her 90 days. Fortunately, she was able to, to see that and she, she re-signed with me for another 90 days. So that we're now getting towards the end of that, which is a total of a six month period. But this particular client started with me way under fueling herself and she'd been doing it for a long time. She was really focused on the quality of her nutrition, which was fantastic, um, and so many other things. She was she was doing a lot of great things, but she was really apprehensive to the fact that I was actually having her eat more food in order to, to get to her result. Um, and so for better or worse, there was a lot of pushback and not because, not because there's anything wrong with this client, but again, this was the, the conditioning. This was the belief. This is, this is deeply rooted guys. By the time you get to be an, an adult female, dieting culture is deeply ingrained into us. And so, you know, week to week, there was a lot of conversation around, you know, I want my belly fat to go away. I want the scale to go away. The scale's not moving fast enough. I don't want to eat more calories because I'm afraid it's going to slow down my fat loss, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I was so thrilled how she was able to, you know, start to, she trusted me. I could tell that, you know, she definitely was apprehensive, but quite honestly, this client had, had gotten to the point where she's like, I have nothing to lose. I've got to do something different, which unfortunately happens for so many women and it's a part of my my mission to to help help educate and advocate and empower women to make the shift before before we get there uh, but we spent 90 days in a reverse dieting cycle eating more food bringing her thyroid hormones up because she had a history of hypothyroidism and we suspected some other things going on some gut issues all kinds of different things and so we worked very closely together week to week navigating this in order to get to a place where she was finally starting to feel more energetic and uh, her mindset did a total 180 we went from being hyperscale focused to I just want to feel good. And she started to actually recognize that she could. Um, this client had struggled with anxiety for a long time. And she started to actually be able to notice that her anxiety was disappearing, that she was able to regulate her nervous system. And all of this was a result of her eating more food, eating quality food, bringing her calories up, resting more. And that's where I'll get into the second piece of things that you can do to help support your metabolism. And so now five months in, she's 18 pounds down, 18 pounds down. She's energetic. Her cycles are, are feeling good and normal, um, which by the way, means that we're not having a lot of PMS, cramping, all kinds of like highs and lows <laughs> throughout that. Um, and then we recently were able to discover together that she does have Hashimoto's. And so we're supporting her through that. But to just you know have her recap her journey from, I was starving, I was underfed, my metabolism was trash, and I didn't actually understand that food and supporting my body in this way was the way to actually feeling amazing. And so we're not quite to where I want her to be because I know in such a short period of time, and by the way, five months is a short period of time when you've been fighting this for years. 
Five months is an incredibly short time. The way she's been able to shift her, her mindset, her metabolism, and just the way she feels in her skin in such a short period of time, I literally cannot wait to see how she's able to continue to, to transform in this way. And so on that note, Another really big piece, and the reason that I bring this up is because typically when I have clients start to increase calories, I see something else increase as well. And that's their cardio. And so the second thing that you can stop doing in order to better support your metabolism for better results is to stop feeling like you have to chase more intense activity in order to burn more calories and lose more weight. Here's the thing. The first thing your metabolism is designed to do is to keep you safe. And in doing so, your metabolism is constantly seeking a state of balance, homeostasis. And so for a lot of us, what we wind up doing without even recognizing it, right? A lot of these thoughts, a lot of these beliefs, a lot of these resulting actions are coming from a place of our subconscious. But what a lot of us wind up doing is we wind up compensating for the fact that we're eating more by feeling like we've got to do more. The interesting thing about this is that a part of it happens because as we eat more food, we have more energy. And so we're actually able to put more energy into our cardio or, or whatever you're doing. For most, for most women that, that are stuck in this cycle, they, they have this, this burning desire to do more intense activity. And so what actually happens is we're putting ourselves in the same kind of situation as we were when we were under fueling. Now we're overburning. And so we're still not in a place of balance. It's kind of a tricky place to get to, but totally achievable when you are actually learning the language of your metabolism and supporting your body through actually letting it guide you to how it needs to be supported. But we need to find this, this perfect Goldilocks gap. We don't want things too hot. We don't think, want things too cold. We want everything just right. And so to create a place of homeostasis, we have to have balance, energy in and energy out, otherwise known as maintenance. But for a lot of people, we feel really comfortable and confident constantly chasing weight loss and constantly dieting and losing weight. And we don't actually understand or know what it feels like to be in a state of balance or homeostasis or maintenance. And so that can be really challenging. I know for me, when I started to explore this work and started to heal my own body, I started dieting when I was like 14 or 15 years old. And so when you spend the better part of your life trying to diet, it's really confusing when you're, when you're trying to be in a place of like, I'm eating enough and I'm not over-exercising. And so for a lot of us, as we start to fuel our bodies appropriately, as we start to fuel our metabolism appropriately, it either comes with slowing the cardio down or at the very least, not increasing it. And so I encourage you to check in, you know, whether you're working with a coach, whether you're doing this on your own, whatever have you, is if you are resonating with the fact like, okay, I should be fed, start to notice the tendency to want to move a little bit more and see if we can't find that balance. The most incredible thing that you can do for your metabolism, your body, and your results it's actually focus more on walking, 
making sure you're getting 10,000 plus steps a day. This is great for stress reduction, for your nervous system, keeps your body moving, and it's not nearly as strenuous as needing to do a lot of cardio or high intensity activity. In fact, exercise is only 5% of your total daily energy expenditure, so it actually doesn't make that much difference in the overall fat loss picture. We just perceive that it does because so many gyms, so many programs have marketed it to us for years and years and years. Do this. Beach body is what immediately comes to mind in order to have a body that looks like this. But it's not it. It's not it. And so for me, I know when I started first working with a coach on eating and fueling my body, almost instantaneously, I felt like I needed to pick up running. And by the way, guys, not a runner. I needed to pick up running. I needed to pick up an extra day at the gym. And those weren't even conscious thoughts. It's challenging. It's challenging to navigate this. Again, if you skipped over the, the parenting part, this is exactly what I'm like feeling. I, like I can feel it in my body as I talk about this around like trying to figure out how to do what's best for this baby. However, I feel like it's a little bit different. You know, for me, I'm, I'm well-educated in my metabolism and, 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 and things like that. But I recognize for you guys, like your metabolism is like a human being that's outside of your body at this point. You don't feel like you can effectively communicate with it. You don't understand what it's trying to tell you. It's a foreign language. And that's why it's such an important non-negotiable aspect of the first part of my program. You have to understand what your metabolism is telling you in order to best support it, in order to care for it, in order to get the best results, period, non-negotiable. And so first two things that I told you you need to stop doing in order to have a more responsive, supported metabolism is to quit dieting all the time, eat more food. The second piece is to quit doing so much cardio, rest more. And that's gonna take me right into the final piece. Is to quit stressing about everything. Get more rest, recovery. And so if you're listening to this and, and you know maybe you're like me, maybe you have a, a young baby or a toddler and so you have all kinds of, of stressors that, that aren't necessarily within your control, you may be saying, well, I'm immediately out, I can't do this. However, I encourage you to look at the stressors that you can control, circumstances that you can control that you put on yourself. And maybe you can't control anything that's going on in your home life. Maybe you can't control anything that's going on in your work life. But if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you seek a transformation and there are stressors that come along with your nutrition and fitness and lifestyle journey that you absolutely can control. And some of those stressors literally look like worrying too much about how you're going to get so much exercise and what's the absolute best food to eat for fat loss and so on and so forth. And I know this is, I know this is resonating with some of you guys. I know this is triggering some of you guys. I spent so much time last week stressing over which book I should read, which article I should read to learn to, to get my baby to sleep better. And I immediately knew that's what so many of you guys are doing. And you're creating this extra stress that you don't even realize that you're creating. Some of you guys are actually losing out on sleep in order to stay up. Hello, I did that too. <laughs> in order to stay up, to read the article, to read the book, to do whatever. You're getting up an extra 30 minutes because you feel like you need to do an extra 30 minutes of cardio because you're eating more. 
And so again, the intention of this episode is to call out things that you can quit doing in order to support your transformation, in order to support your journey better. And I'm keeping it at that. And so in terms of getting more sleep, recovering better, reducing stress, I want to call you out. I want to invite you to take a closer look at how you are putting stress on yourself to perform in a certain way, to do certain things, to add extra, to be extra, to do more, and where you can pull it back and do less and amplify what you're actually doing and what's actually meaningful for your progress. What's actually gonna move the, the, the dial, right? And so for some of you, that literally means actually doing less and taking a recovery day. I've had many clients, many clients that I would coach through this. So I know, I know, and I know that's uncomfortable. But when I started talking about this, when I started talking about the topic for this episode on things that you can stop doing, I didn't say that by stopping certain things, it was going to make you more comfortable. If you're anything like me, actually doing less is more uncomfortable than muscling through and trying to do more. I'll give you one more analogy that's, it's still comical and I'm still not good at this, but it's a perfect example of how we just need to be better at what we're actually doing rather than trying to muscle up or do more. So there was a period of time when I was training at uh, Wake Forest University in North Carolina that they had, they had this massive climbing wall and they actually had a climbing team. And so one of the trainers that I worked with coached the climbing team and I was determined it looked so fun. I wanted to climb this wall. And it was so hard, it was so exhausting because I was strong enough to get up that wall. <laughs> I was strong enough to get up that wall. And so I would essentially, I was muscling my way up. And essentially I was doing like a million pull-ups to get up this wall. And the, the trainer that I was working with had such a hard time with me. Like I kept asking him like, please help me do this better. Like I want to be able to do this. This looks so fun and it's a great way to cross train and, and all these things. But I would get up the wall once and I'd be exhausted. I'd be done. You can't do a trillion pull-ups to get up there, you know, multiple times. And so he spent so much time trying to show me how to actually do less, how to be light on my feet, light on my hands, to be able to essentially dance up the wall and how it's conserving energy and so you could have fun and have ease and, and get up there. I hate to say it because eventually, obviously, I no longer live in Winston-Salem and I no longer train in person, left that and so I didn't have access daily to a climbing wall so it's not something that I practice anymore but I never really got really good at it. And so each and every time I try to coach a client through finding ease and, and, and finding and finding more result and less effort, I always think back to that climbing wall and I always think back to those lessons that, that I was learning and I'm still actively learning, right? Another example, literally bringing it back to, to being a new parent again, is literally being able to lean into that now and not necessarily doing less to to um, have better results, but to quit fighting things, to quit expending so much energy to have things look a certain way or to have things match the way my mind is telling me or how I, I perceive things should be, AKA it's always summer at the beach, right? <laughs> We've been wearing hoodies. It's not always summer at the beach. 
but our minds have tied summer stories to the beach, summer experiences. It's what my body feels, summer. But it's fall. And so can I either fight and say it's summer at the beach and go out there in a two-piece bathing suit and freeze, or I can say, oh, same look, different experience. Now I'm just going to change things up a little bit and I'm going to go with the flow and I'm going to wear a hoodie so I'm not freezing. So I want to invite you to, to take a closer look. Where can you find more ease? Where can you find more flow? And where can you amplify things that are already easeful and find more consistent, better results there? I would absolutely love to know how this resonated with you guys. What came up for you, right? What, what was triggering? What you, what you feel like is something that you could really work on be supported in. As always, you can find out more about me at updogwellnessandfitness.com. I love getting messages from you guys on Instagram. I would be more than happy to chat with you about some of these topics. And I look forward to connecting with you again very soon. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day. Talk soon. Bye guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's show. I would love to connect with you further, so you can find me on Instagram at Natalie Brooke Guevara. If you'd like more information about my coaching program, The Strong Method, you can find all the details at updogwellnessandfitness.com, as well as additional resources and free workshops and trainings. If you have a few moments, I would love it if you would take time to rate and review the podcast wherever you listen to your shows. And I can't wait to connect with you again right here next week.